This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. We've been talking about, you know, since the first of the year we've talked about, uh, I've been trying to, or endeavoring to get you ready to move forward and do some things in your life personally and through your life for God. Uh, we talked about, uh, and I shared last week that in the things that we're teaching and in the, our worship and everything that we do here at Christian Life Church, what we have purposed is to form a people for God's glory and God's purpose, His work, for God's mission. A people passionate for God. A people filled with the passion of God. Are you listening to me? And so all that we're doing is to form that. We have been in the process since we took the church back over in April and started pastoring again uh, to uh, rebuild this church. And well, I shared with a group of leaders or a group of people the other night in a home group meeting. I said, uh, you know, we thank God for what he did in the past in Christian Life Church. It was a wonderful time, a great day, and we saw God do a lot of things. But that day has passed, and it's a new thing, and there's a new wine that God wants to pour into us, but we've got to be a new wineskin. And so we're not doing things the same old way. We're not going to do things the same way. We're doing them a new way. And it's the right way for now. It's not, and we're not, we're not saying this is right for every church. It's right for us. Are you with me? Okay, I don't believe in church models. You know, I had someone the other day said, you know, God wants Christian Life Church to be a model. Well, in a sense, but I don't believe there's a model. I believe that the Holy Ghost is to direct all of us to follow Him and to uh, not to, you know, you can have some training wheels for a while, but eventually you've got to be able to hear from God. But what we're doing is, you know, and some things are different, I know. The way I'm dressed is different, I know. <laughs> we used to wear a suit and all of that. But in uh, our worship, the way we do things, it's different. You know, the way our service is, is different, you know. And I'm going to look for other different things to add to it so that I can help get us out of the old things. Because, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, we, we get into our ways and we say, well, I'm going to change. And I told you about, you know, losing weight. And I'm talking about me. Don't look at your husband or your wife. I'm talking about me. I've got to lose some weight. <laughs> and uh, I've been talking about it. And uh, I haven't done things about it. I'll start, but I won't stick to it. But here's what I, gotta, I know. Until I make some different, and things I do differently, it's not going to happen. You know, it's been said that the, the mark of insanity is to keep doing what you've been doing all the while expecting a different result. Because if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you got. And if you don't like what you have, you've got to change what you're doing. You've got to change something, you know. And isn't it something that God continually tells us we've got to change, yet he says he changes not, you know. That's the wonderful thing about being a granddad because I can tell my kids, you know, when they have babies, I say, I'm like God in this way, I change not, you know. So I don't change those babies, but uh, I love them. 
And uh, so anyway, I want you to, to lay aside, let's lay aside, you know, the, let's take off the yoke of our past, let's take off the yoke of what we've been used to, and let's let God re-yoke us. Are you willing to do that? Now, uh, and I mean old and young alike, I want us all to be willing to do something new, to learn something new, to take something new. Uh, uh, Janet Jordan was telling me, uh, hey Janet, wave at us. Uh, she's 64 and she told me she started back to school. Yeah, and I told her, I said, that's great. She's retired, a retired school teacher, now she's going back to school. That is great. I said, that'll keep you young. Listen, as you get older, you want everything settled, but one way to keep your heart and, I, and your, your life young is to be willing to change, okay? And so we're changing. You know, when we had to take the church over, Denise and I were planning retirement. I was literally going to retire, Okay, and uh, we had to, I was going to, you know, plan to retire and we were going to just, you know, uh, move somewhere that we wanted to retire, a city we wanted to retire in and just spend the rest of our days there. And I was going to travel over, you know, at times go overseas and minister to the pastors over there. And I was going to travel around the states and minister to pastors. When we say retire, I don't mean me going fishing. That ain't going to happen. I'm going to be doing something for the kingdom, but I wasn't going to be in the responsibility of pastoring. So we had planned to retire, and then all of a sudden this happens, and I had to change. She and I had to make a change. We had to be willing to change and hook up with something new God wanted to do. But we both understood that if that God bringing us back, he didn't mean for us to do the same old thing the same old way, because that's called a rut. All right? And, you know, here's the thing. God gives us a new thing. We wear it out till it's a rut. And then God has to almost pry us from it. You know, pull our teeth, break our arms and legs to get us away from the rut. Yet we say, I hate this. I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. And yet we want, we're determined to stay into it. So I'm trying to, you know, God's not me only, but the Holy Ghost is working to pry us out of what's old to bring us into what's new. Are you willing to do that? Listen, let me tell you, God's new thing is always better. Listen, any new thing that God has for us, it's better than the old. Because listen, let me tell you something. He gets gooder and gooder. <laughs> an old when I uh, first got or when I was in college actually uh, there was an old Scandinavian fellow that had gotten saved when he was very old he was like in his 80s when he and I got to know each other and I worked at a uh, part time at a uh, furniture store and because uh, uh, I believe you need to be self sufficient provide for yourself and I was in college so I had to, you know, make money to take care of college and provide for my family. And Denise worked also. And we actually lived very good while we were in college. But uh, he would come to visit me every day in the furniture store. And uh, he, you could hear him. I worked in the warehouse, and I could hear him coming down uh, in that warehouse because, you know, the warehouse at the... You know, metal walls, it just kind of rang out in there. His voice had a real loud voice. He's a short little fellow, red-faced all the time, bald-headed. And, uh, <clears throat> but he'd say, Brother Steve, he gets gooder and gooder. <laughs> and uh, he told me all these wonderful stories about his experiences in God. But you know, it was so exciting to meet a guy that was 84 years of age that Jesus and the things of God and everything about God and everything God was doing was like brand new and fresh to him. 
You know, and I thought, dear Lord, when I get to be in my 80s, I want to be as excited. How do I want to be? You been there, done that? I've spent my time, let somebody, let the younger folk do it now. I want to, no. And when I'm 100, I want to be in the thick of the battle. I want to be holding the sword, leading the charge. You know, I want to be like Joshua that said, give me that mountain, you know. Amen. All right. All right. But uh, so there's new things. I want you to embrace them. I want you to be willing when you come in, take off the blinders of what you're used to and be willing to say, okay, God, we just opened up to you. Let's don't bring our perceptions and, and our ways we think God ought to do church with us. Are you willing to do that? Because the way you've done church, it was okay. The way I've done church, it was okay. But to say it was God totally and that's all there is, we're stupid if we think that. God's a lot. I've always known God's bigger than what I know. God's bigger than what I've seen. If your God's not bigger than what you've experienced, you need to trade him in for the real God. Because he's too small. All right? And so God's, you know, serving God ought to be an adventure. Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman has that, the great adventure, you know? Saddle up your horses. Come on, get ready to ride. We're going on a great adventure. And I want to tell you, Christian Life Church, we're going on a great adventure. Are you ready? Okay. And so we've talked about the first service uh, this year. We talked about Settling your past, finally settling it. You know, God settles it. He settled it at the cross. That's, uh, it was settled there. Legally, everything God did at the cross is finished. The work of Jesus is finished. But you know what? Experientially, or what is really going on in my life is a process. He's finished, but I'm in the process. I'm discovering, I'm learning, I'm walking into what he did. And the thing is, I want to keep moving into it. So we talked about dealing with your past. And we talked about reaching for your future. Then we talked the next Sunday about the meantime. What do we do with our now? Because the thing is, we can deal with our past and deal with our future. But the trouble is, we live in now. And no matter where you are, when I get to tomorrow, it'll be now. When I get to next year, it'll be now. Ten years from now, it will be now. We're always in our now Say, I'm living now. And we talked about you need to learn to live now, not wait till you get to your now. All right? And we talked about that. We did, you know, and we've talked about several things we've been trying to help bring you to something. And today I want to teach you about a principle that I learned years ago as a baby Christian. And it has been phenomenal to see it operate. It has been amazing, and it is a truth that not only sets you free, but opens up so many things to you in life Uh, on a spiritual level. Now, this truth, it's a spiritual truth, but it operates in your natural life, and that's really where God wants it to operate is in your natural life, but, you know, it's a spiritual truth too, and so we're going to talk about today a thing called harvest. I call it harvest, you can call it different things, but I call it harvest. We're gonna look at this principle, and I wanna, it's understanding the law of harvest. Understanding the law of harvest. Now please, take your, come on, get those eyeglasses off 
that you only see a certain thing. It's not just about money or it's not just about natural, uh, about however you want to determine it, but it is a law of God. All right? There are certain laws God has set in the universe in that, well, let me say it even greater. There are certain laws God has established in his kingdom. And there are some, there are, there's a critical mass of, of several laws that the whole kingdom operates from those. Everything in the kingdom of God operates by these certain principles. And when we learn those certain principles, boy, I'll tell you what, you're ahead of the game. It's kind of like if you learn the principle, the basic principles of math, if you'll just stick with it and build on that, there's no limit to where you can go in math. But if you don't get that, you'll struggle throughout. All right? So, let's look at this in Genesis 1, verse 11. And I'm reading out of the New King James today. Normally we do the New Living Translation, but I just like the way the New King James says it a little better. It's a little clearer to me, or right to the point on this one. Then God said, and you're in the New Living Translation. You could, guys, put up the in, uh, find the New King James Version, or either just don't put it up. In verse 11 it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Can we just take that down, guys, off the screen there? Thank you. Let me read again. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so, and the earth brought forth. All right, where are we in this? We're, we're in, a, in creation, we're looking at creation, uh, and at some point in time I want to teach you on the, the laws of creation, what happened there, because it's very important for us to understand those because it is a basis of things that God does, and God's, we see a lot of God's character in this, okay, and the way God works. But uh, in this principle right here, God is creating everything, we're in creation, and so he's made the earth and sky and all of that. And at this time, he, he makes a command. He puts, he shows us a cardinal. And what I mean by cardinal is a cornerstone. It's a, it's a, you know, there's a lot of different principles and laws. Uh, like, you know, we have the 10 commandments. Those weren't all the commandments, but there were 10. And the 10 stood out from the others because if you didn't get those, none of the others mattered anyway. But if you got those, you'd probably fill out, fill the other, you'd be able to do the others, okay? And that's the way it is with these principles in creation. And this is one of them here. And a principle, a fundamental principle of the kingdom of God here is this law of harvest. And God said this. He said that, uh, he commands, he said, let the earth bring forth and he commands it, and he said, according to the seed, that every seed would produce according to its kind. And then the Bible says, and the earth brought forth. And one are, and it was so. Okay, so as soon as God said it, 
All of a sudden, this earth started doing that. Now, until God said that, the earth, no seed had the power to reproduce, and the earth could not germinate seed. But as soon as God said it, that law was put into the universe. And now all of the universe responds to it. All of the universe responds to it. So here's some key principles for you. All right. Harvest is God's idea and it is God's purpose and plan. Harvest is God's idea and design. God wants harvest continually. As a matter of fact, Jesus, and you need to understand this, that harvest is God's idea, it's not yours. See, the enemy constricts us, restricts us, confines us. God delivers and frees us. The enemy wants us to think small, to be constricted, restricted, and limited. We even have to put, like if you were in, in England and started a business, like I have several, we have several business, Denise and I and, and uh, our family have several businesses. And with them, we have to, uh, if we put them in England, they would call them limited. And in Africa, you use the, it's the British form of uh, rules of, gov- uh, of business. And, you know, like uh, we were starting a business over there. I actually was starting one and we went through the, uh, the attorney things over there. And uh, they, it was going to be uh, Vickers Limited. Uh, and we were going to get into real estate and a lot of different things over there. But we didn't do it. We just put it on hold. But in See, we, everything is, we want to limit. Now, they do it because there's going to be some guiding principles. But God wants us to take those off. He wants it to be unlimited. He doesn't want us to be limited in our thinking. So I want you to take off these, the concepts we have about our life, about what can happen in our life, about the limitations we have. Because yes, you have limitations, but God's design and God's purpose and what God desires is harvest. And when God doesn't see harvest, God is not pleased. To the degree that Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said that the father is like a husbandman or father or owner of a farm that comes to the husbandman, the guy that's taking care of the trees. For him, And I grew up on a farm and we actually had some fruit trees. And uh, I had to learn how to care for them so that they would produce the most amount of fruit because my dad wanted fruit. And so I could relate to that story. But Jesus said, the, fa- the owner, the father, God, comes to the husbandman, which you and I are husbandmen. What that means is the manager, the one that's responsible to take care of it. And to make it productive. He comes to us, Jesus said in John 15, that the Father comes and he looks at the fruit. Not at our intentions. Not at what we plan to do, but what we've produced. Is anybody hearing me? He looks at our fruit and here's what he says. You can read it in your Bible. Jesus said, and if he finds no fruit, he breaks that limb off and he casts it into the fire. Now somebody asked me, he said, does that mean we go to hell? I said, 
Why do you even want to find out? I said, that's the wrong question. You're looking the wrong way. Boy, that's really limited. That's really a person that's self-destructive and limited. I mean, I wouldn't even think that way. I'd think, how can I stay on the tree? Not how, what happens if I get in the fire? I mean, that's kind of crazy, you know? What happens if I get hit by a truck? Why even get hit by a truck? You know? Go look it up on YouTube. You can find out. (laughs) No. Harvest is God's design, and he looks for harvest. He wants harvest. Now look at me. Get it in you. God wants harvest in your life. And I'm not just talking about you got to go out and win souls. That's a part. God wants your life to affect lives. But he wants harvest in every area. So that when you look at your life, when you look at your spiritual life, you see harvest. When you look at your, your uh, social life, your relationships with the people you have relationships with, you see good harvest, you see fruit. When you look at, your, uh, at what you're doing financially and you're out there working with your labor, you see fruit. Listen, I tell ministers all the time, they'll say, how do I know if God wants me to move on to something else? I said, is there fruit? And if they say, well, there used to be, I said, then get out of it. I said, if there's not fruit where you are, God's going to hold you accountable because the only thing God wants, God doesn't care about good intentions. Now, it's not in the Bible, but it is true that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It is true where people say, I intend to do this, I intend to do that. The only thing God wants is what we do. Okay, so uh, Jesus said that we're responsible to the Father to produce fruit. So God wants it everywhere in our life we see fruit. See, God likes that what you're doing, Jeanette. That you're going back to school because you know what you're doing? You're creating more value, the opportunity for more harvest for God. Because everything we do, if we belong to God, everything we do brings glory to God. The Bible says even when we plow the field or give a cup of cold water to somebody, it's for God's glory and it produces fruit if we're a child of God. And if we have the attitude, now listen to me, You've got to get in you the same attitude as God. If harvest is God's desire, if it is his purpose, then you must purpose your life, everything about your life is to produce harvest. You're a person of harvest. You're not a person of lack. You're not a person that if it's wrong, if something's going to happen bad, it's going to happen to me. If I get a new car, it's the first one that's going to get dinged in the parking lot. No, if something good is going to happen, I said, if something good, I said, boy, I need to back up and teach a little more, don't I? I said, if something good is going to happen, is there anybody here that it's going to happen to? No, really. You ought to have that passion about you. See, I'm a person of harvest. There you go. Thank you, Aida. You're my girl. I like that because she's out there ministering to those school kids after school and taking those kids in, a lot of them that don't uh, get the nurturing and care that they need. They're kind of out of troubled homes. 
and you're putting into their lives, and I'm glad you stood up because they don't need somebody telling them, well, it's going to be hard on you. Nobody's going to give you a break. You're going to have it hard. You ain't going to make it. Uh, I'll tell you what, you get on a job, you'll probably never get a raise. I'm glad somebody's teaching them you can believe for great things. Because you know what? We limit ourselves, don't we, Tasha? And we're the only person that can limit us, aren't we? Listen, you were made for harvest. Say, I'm made for harvest. harvest. You got to believe that. See that everything, if I'm made for harvest, everything that is mine is made for harvest, even my money. My ideas, my dreams, my labors. If I get up and preach, or if I talk to someone about Jesus, it's for harvest. It's not to check off on my box that, well, I, I shared with somebody. I'm after harvest. Okay? Now, look at Genesis 8.22. Did you guys find the New King James Version there? If not, it's okay. Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains. How many of you believe the earth is still here? Two people. Okay. (laughs) We all know the earth is here. Can I at least get an amen? amen? Right. It's still here. While the earth remains, so since the earth is here, still here, everything that he says after that is still here. Seed time and harvest. Say those two words, or three words. Say it again. Now jump down to the last part. It says, shall not cease. No, you don't have to say it, but see, well, you can. Seed time and harvest shall never cease. Say that. Say, in my life, life, seed time and harvest harvest, will never cease. All right. So as God says, as long as the earth remains, this is going to work continually. It's always working. It's always working. It's always working. It's always working. That's why. You know, I'd tell my kids, you know, they'd complain about things, about their teachers or about this or about that or about a friend, you know, and all this. And I'd tell them, don't say all those things because everything you say, everything you do, it's a seed you've sown. And there's a law working in you of harvest. And it's working continually for good or bad. And so if you want a good harvest, you got to sow good seed because bad seed does not produce good harvest. See, figs don't grow, Jesus said, on a sticker bush. I'm just putting it simple. On a, on a, on a, a you know, a, 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 where, you know, a, where stickers are. You know, figs don't grow on poison ivy. All right? They grow on a fig tree. And you can't sow bad things and get good things. You can't sow a bad attitude and get a good response. If you've got a bad attitude, everybody around you is going to treat you bad. If, if you know and expect rejection, you will get rejected. If you expect to get hurt, you will get hurt. See, what you sow, what you're giving out, listen to me, girls, right here. You've got to learn this before you leave Wellsprings. Because when, you know, you're going through the process But if you don't change, see, you're where you are. And we all got where we were or are by 
the seed we sowed. All right? Now you can change that. The wonderful thing is, doesn't matter where anybody's for you. Doesn't matter if you've got cheerleaders standing on the side or if you've got enemies all around you. Because David said this, if I make my bed in hell, God is there. In other words, God's always with me. He's never going to leave me. He's not going to leave you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Say it, God's for me. I think you ought to help her say it. Help them say it. That's right. See, God is for you and he's with you and God's after harvest. So now you've got to learn, how am I going to get change in my life? How am I going to get good things in my life? Can I pray them in? You've got to sow them in. Can I believe them in? That's part of, but somewhere belief has got to have some action. You've got to sow them in, sow them in, sow them in. Are you listening to me? All right. That's why last week I talked to you about sowing the word in your life. Keep sowing that seed because the word is seed, Jesus said. And if I want a harvest of, of what the word of God says, I need to sow the word of God into my life. And then I'll get a harvest out of my life and I'll start seeing harvest around my life. Now, I know some will say, I don't believe all that, man. Because see, some of us have a victim mentality. I've been done wrong. It's not what I did. It's what's been done to me. What's all this stuff about harvest? You know what? I got run over by the tractor that was getting the harvest. That's what happened to me. And Brother Ed wasn't driving it, though. <laughs> well, you know what? Your stinking attitude is creating the stinking circumstances. The Bible says that the life around us is created by our tongue. And we'll talk more about that in another place. But it says we create the circumstances around us by the seed that we sow with our mouth. Now, I don't care what you think or what anybody thinks. See, I believe what the Bible says. Not what may be going on, not your experience or my experience. I've had good experiences. I've had bad experiences. I've had things that have worked and I have things that didn't work. There's things that I'm still believing for that hadn't come to pass yet. But am I going to throw the book out because of that? No. I realize I'm needing adjustment, not the word. I'm the one that needs to change, not the Bible. And the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. We're not going to look there, but you can just kind of write that down. Galatians 6, 7. It says, God, Paul said, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Now listen, anytime the Bible, are you still with me? I'm passionate about this. Because I'm telling you, if you'll grab a hold of it, it changed my life. I'm telling you, it changed my life. And I had to come out of a whole lot of stinking thinking. Because I was taught and impregnated and it was imprinted upon my life a lot of negative stuff about what life was like and all that. But God says, don't be deceived. Anytime the Bible says, don't be deceived, What should you do? You should take note and find out, well then, how does it say I can be deceived? Because the only reason it says it's because I can. Whenever God, God's real simple with us. You know, he'll 
You know, he's kind of like the person that stands behind the teacher holding up the answers to the quiz. Okay? God always gives us open book test because you can open this book anytime and find the answers to the test. Now, he says, be not deceived. Everybody say, I will not be deceived. He says, be not deceived. God cannot be mocked. Now, what does he mean by that? Sure, people can say, I don't believe God. God not real. God's not. But what he means by that is not in reality. They may say it, but it's still going to, they're going to be proven wrong and God's going to be proven right. Uh, Paul said it this way, or David said it this way, that even when I stand before you, after I've lived my life and I'm even there before you, you're still proven right. Now, he says this, do not be mocked or do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked for whatsoever, look at there it is, for whatever a man sows, ladies, that means you too. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. The word man there means mankind or any individual. Whatever an individual sows, that will he also reap. Now, what does that tell us there? It tells us that we're always going to reap what we sow, and it's going to be what we sow specifically. You can't sow one thing and reap another thing. All right. Now, I'm going to wrap this up with three principles of harvest. There are three critical principles you need to understand about harvest. So let's go quickly here. Number one, and these are some points worth writing down. These are takeaway points. Number one, God does not give us harvest. He gives us seed. This is where a lot of Christians miss it. We miss it because we're praying for God to do something. We're believing for God to do something, but we're not creating the opportunity for God to do something. Are you hearing me? See, you're asking God to give you a harvest, but God doesn't give you a harvest. God gives you a seed. Can a farmer buy land and start a prayer meeting and reap a harvest. What if he prays and fasts? What if he goes on a 40-day fast and prays for 40 days without sleeping, without anything? You know, all he does is seek the Lord. At the end of that 40 days, can he go outside and all of a sudden there's a, har- there's a harvest there? What do you think he might have to do or will for sure have to do once he gets through praying? He's going to have to get out there and what? Plow the field, sow the seed, and nurture the seed. Isn't he? Why? Because harvest doesn't come from praying. Harvest comes from sowing. Did you hear what I said? See, are you saying don't pray, preacher? Did I say that? No, I pray. But then I go do. The old folks used to say, put some legs on them prayers. You ever heard anybody say that? That's exactly what they were talking about. You know? Your mama ever tell you, you know, put some legs on them prayers. You know? You got to go do it. You got to go do it. 
See, God does not give us harvest. Some of you are waiting on God to bless you. My dear, if you're hoping God's going to bless you and waiting on God to bless you, the last day you breathe, you will be waiting. You'll wait till you die because God doesn't do that. That's not the way God operates. And you say, but I'm, see, here's the thing. Because of our feelings of inadequacy, of our insecurities, our fears, or maybe because we didn't have an Aida Harris, like up there, telling us continually, maybe our parents didn't tell us, you can do it, you can do it. See, my, my dad didn't, but my mother did. My dad was telling me how hard it was, but my mother she was just full of love and, and belief. And she said, you can do anything. And Denise was raised without a dad, but her mother always said, there's nothing you can't do. And when I dated Denise, she was so different from all the other girls I'd met because of God. But also because Denise, I was a dreamer. And Denise believed in dreams. Because see, I had someone telling me, you can do it. But let me tell you, maybe you never had that. Well, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, and God tells you in his word, and if you listen to the Holy Ghost instead of your stupid thoughts, the Holy Ghost is trying to tell you there's nothing impossible to you. Anything's possible if you'll believe God. But now belief has got to have some action to it because faith without works is dead. Okay, God does not say this. Say it with me. God does not give us harvest He gives us seed. Okay, let's say that with me instead of us, okay? Say it with me. God does not give me a harvest. He gives me seed. All right. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, you can write that down, that God supplies seed for the sower. Nowhere does it say God provides harvest. God provided the law of harvest in the beginning. Just like if you jump up, God doesn't have to grab you and bring you back down. He created the law of gravity, so when you jump up, you're not going out into outer space. If it wasn't for the law of gravity, none of us would be here. We'd get born and be gone. See, God doesn't, see, do you get that principle? You understand, well, that's silly. Preacher, of course I know. You jump up, you come back down. Friend, you sow, you reap. God doesn't give harvest. He's put the law of harvest in the universe so that when I sow the seed he provides, then I get a harvest. Now, God has provided seed. All right, let me say this. God gives us the seed. We create the harvest. God gives us the seed, we create the harvest. Now, the second principle is this. Number two, the key to harvest is in the seed. The key to harvest is in the seed. You remember, in the Bible, if you don't, I'll tell you anyway. In the Bible, it says, if a person would have friends, it's the book of Proverbs, he should show himself Friendly. You ever read that? Well, what is he talking about? Sowing, reaping. If you want a harvest of friends, 
Go show yourself friendly. The reason I don't have friends is I'm not friendly. Well, I can't trust people. Well, I've had flat tires, but I still trust tires. I'm not going to say, when I, you know, I, I bought me a Beamer. Oh, I love it. Best car I've ever had. Go on about your jealous self. Man, I love it. <laughs> I mean, and they rocked, they made me a deal I could not refuse. So anyway, uh, but uh, I didn't, when I, right before I took it, drove it off, you know, you're in there signing paperwork. Man, I just want to go get in the car and go. But I didn't say, take the tires off because I've had a flat tire before. I don't trust tires anymore. That tire did me wrong. I was trusting that tire. Put myself, I committed myself to that tire. Got in a relationship with it. I thought we had something going. And it went flat. There I was on the interstate. In the middle of the night in a pouring rain, having to change that tire. I thought I ought to take all the stupid things off. You laugh, but we do that about people. We get hurt by a few people and we say, I'm ruling them all out. And you know what? And everyone we meet, we're expecting them to go flat on us too. Don't tell me about tire guarantees. I know what'll happen. You drive a thing down the road, it's going to go flat. You're that way about friends. You say, I know, you know, yeah, we'll go out, we'll get to know one another until you hurt me, until you do me wrong, until you, I know something's, you got something in your, it's all about what you can get for you. It's not, you know, that's the way friends are. See, listen, yeah, there, there are jerks in life. Don't look at your husband. <laughs> Keep looking at me. There are jerks in life. Say amen. amen. There are stupid people, aren't there? Aren't there stupid people? Aren't there mean people? The sad thing is a lot of them call themselves Christians. You know why? Because they're Christian in name, but they've never let Christ live in them or live through them. But listen, just because you've been hurt, if you... You need to sow friendship. You need to get out there and say, you know what? There are good friends. And let me just tell you what I am about this. I would rather end my life having tried to be friends with people than to recluse myself away, pull my, you know, the covers over my life and live all by myself in this world. I don't want to do that because, you know, when you stop giving out, does anybody know what happens to a pond that has no inlet or outlet? Do you know what? It becomes a cesspool. It becomes a, it becomes a growing place, a, a place where wrong, bad things grow, where, you know, kids that get in there and go swimming like, you know, when I was a kid, we'd go out, you know, a bunch of us boys, and we'd go out and find some old pond, and we'd go, you know, uh, take our, jump all our clothes off so that mom wouldn't know when we went, and we'd jump in there, and we'd go swimming. Well, man, some of them come out, we got sick. Why? Because the water was polluted, not with chemicals, but just, you see, you leave something to itself, 
Nature will put in it the wrong things. Let me tell you, let me just give you a little experience. Go out and just cut up a little area in your yard and dig the grass out and just have some dirt there and leave it alone and see what grows. I can tell you what it grow, weeds. Weeds. And when our life is left alone, when we don't have good relationships, and listen, good relationships are like gold. Every rock you pick up is not gold. But I'm gonna tell you what, there are relationships that are gold. I've got one in Uganda. He and I have been friends. We met at John Osteen's in 1981. At Pastor John Osteen's church in Lakewood, or Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, out by a Coke machine out beside the metal building that was the church. And we met there. Mike Crossland and I met, and we've been friends all those years. And I'm going to tell you what, I caught and we talk. He's in Uganda, and I'm here in the States, and we talk on the phone, and we're great friends. He's one of my great, great dear friends. He's a good friend. Now, I've had others that I'm telling you what, if I talk about them, I don't want to talk about them. They make me mad. You know one. You know several. They make me mad. So I don't even, I don't talk about them. I don't bring them up. You know, I think about Mike, Jack, uh, Mike Crosslow and Ken Jackson and people like that. And people in this church that are friends of mine. Walt is a friend to me. He works here. He's a brother. He's a staff member. But he's a friend. My son-in-law, Brian, and and soon-to-be son-in-law, Ben, they are friends to me. (laughs) Shouldn't have said something like that in front of women. Okay. i got to wrap this up. Okay. The key to harvest is in your seed. In the seed. Every seed has within itself the power to create harvest. Every seed. Every seed produces only according to its kind. If I sow jealousy, I'm going to get reasons for jealousy. You listening to me? Guys, if you're eat up with jealousy, eventually you're going to have a reason to be jealous. Because a jealous spirit It quenches, it strangles, and it pushes the other person away. It does. I am married to that woman because of a, in in part, because of jealousy. I was dating a girl, been dating her two years. We were getting married. It was expected. I was just going along for the ride like most guys. And uh, she said, the girl said, and her mother said, y'all are getting married. I said, okay. And uh, But anyway, I was in college. We were going to get married, you know. And uh, at a dance where our band was playing, Denise, when my girlfriend walked off, went to the bathroom, Denise came up and said, hey, my name's Steve Vickers. I didn't say that. I mean. My name's Denise Perkins. She said, hey, my name's Denise Perkins. No, I made a mistake. That's a Freudian slip there. No. I said, hey, my name is. She said, hey, my name is Denise Perkins. And I'm trying to teach here. No, tell them what you said. I said, well, you're beautiful. No, tell them what you said. No, that's what you said. 
Oh, you read the book? No. Don't write a book. Tell him what you said. I said, what am I supposed to do, Melt? Tell him what I said. And she said, you said, most boys do. <laughs> Now this, Brian's, my son-in-law, he's a great friend, but he also is a brown noser. <laughs> he does whatever he has to do. He is, Bunny. <laughs> he is trying, always earning points everywhere he can. <laughs> ben, don't be like that. <laughs> but anyway, my girlfriend came out and she saw Denise and I stand there. Because when Denise said that, I started laughing. I thought, that's really cool. And so we started talking. And because uh, I like feisty people, you know, and uh, she's, uh, she was feisty. And so my girlfriend came out and she said, put her hands on her hips. She said, Steve Vickers, I can't trust you for five minutes. <laughs> and so Denise said, well, I guess I better uh, leave now. And so she walked off. Well, the rest of the my night was ruined. All night long, it was yang 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 yang. And listen, a man Ed can only take so much. It is not even in our capability. It's not in our universe, Charles, to be. Help me out now. We just cannot. So, I mean, after a while, as soon as the thing was over, the gig was over, I said, let's go home. And all in the way home to her house, she's going, ah, you want to go out there, don't you? You like her. You thought she's cute. Yeah. Oh, I know you. I know you. Oh, you probably got her phone number. You're going to call her. I said, shut up. <laughs> and I said, just get out and go to your house. So she got out. She slammed the door, you know, and walked in the house. And I had a nice car. I've always liked nice cars. But anyway, and she slammed that door and I thought, you slammed my door. <laughs> and guys know what I'm talking about. Help me out, guys. Because there's a, a relationship a guy has with his car. Isn't there? Isn't there? I mean, don't slam my door like that. Come on. Fuss all the way and then slam my door? <laughs> Do you remember that car? So anyway, the rest of the time, for that's all she would talk about. If I called her on the phone, she nagging. She, she kept on, on and on. And you know what she literally drove me to do? I thought this to myself, Rick. I thought, well, shoot, then I am going to call that girl up. <laughs> I did. Hey, Lamont. I thought, I'm going to just call her up. So I called her, Paul. And we started talking. And uh, you see the rest of the story. <laughs> Twelve grandkids. I just wanted to go out with you. <clears throat> but what am I saying? Seed produces after its kind. See, if, you're, if you project, if you expect things, you're sowing it. You're getting it out there. Our expectation, 
our projection. All of these things are a seed, a seed about us. Uh, the words that we say, the actions, the way we carry ourselves. I mean, you go on a job interview. Who's going to hire you? You know? Or you go there and you act like you're, I'm not where, I'm, I'm, I'm just, no, I'm, I don't. You know, go in there. Believe in yourself. You know, when you, you know that when you believe in you, others start believing in you. You know, you can get to where people believe in you and somebody says, well, what can he do? And their person says, I don't know. I just believe he can do something. <laughs> Why? You, you laugh at this, but my friend, it's reality. Listen, I'm, there's a life I'm wanting. There's a life I'm living. And here's what I tell God, Bunny. I say, God, you've been good to me. But there's more. And I feel like God likes that. I don't feel like God says, oh, don't do any more. I hate to ask you for anything else. As if God was on a tight budget. Listen, he's not the U.S. government having to borrow money to live. He's got plenty. He's got more than enough. And he delights when we believe him for more. And when we get out and we start planting seed and sowing seed. Now let me close. Forgive me, I'm going to cuss dogs, don't it? Listen to me. Harvest does not come because I have a need. People say, well, God knows what I have need of. He does. And so do you. And God wants you to have a harvest. But God doesn't give us harvest because you have a need. Well, God knows what I want. That doesn't, there's desires I have. God, fulfill my desires. No, God says, then sow the seed. Let me tell you, one way you can find out the seed you have in your life is check the desires that keep coming up. Because, see, God has harvest. He created you to reap. And so what he will do is put a desire in you. Now the bad thing is, as we get older, we tend to push those desires down because of fears, insecurities, or circumstances, but never ever do that. Young ladies, young ladies, your past is past. It does not define you. God defines you. There's no, you don't carry your past with you. You were, but you not. You are not. You are who God made you. See, I was a lot of things, but I am a child of God. And there's nothing he withholds from me. I'm no second class. Listen, Denise didn't do one, one millionth of the things I did. I did a horrible, I lived a lot, did a, hard, a lot of horrible things. She didn't do one of them. Worst thing she ever did was smoke part of a cigarette and she got beat for that. I wish that's the worst thing I ever did. But you know what? The blood of Jesus 
There's things I did that I won't even talk about. I'll never say. Because they were between me and the cross. And the blood covered them. And I'm not held bound. I'm not a person that can say, well, yeah, but, you know, because I did that, then I deserve this lower spot in God's kingdom. No, honey, the blood of Jesus is it's good. For, does the same for me. It does for anybody. Makes me equal with anybody. And so I can believe God. I can expect things from God. I can believe God for things, but then I've got to sow the seed for it. Now, the third principle is this. Seed is powerless until it's sown. So number one, what are they? Put the first one back up there, guys. Okay, never mind. What's the first one? God does not give us harvest. He gives us seed. And what's the second one? The key to harvest is in the seed. And the third one is what? Seed is powerless until it's sown. Let me give you something. Jesus said, a grain of wheat abides alone until it dies, until it's sown in the ground and dies, until it's given. When we sow something, when we sow generosity, when we sow kindness, when we sow love, when we sow mercy, when we sow forgiveness, when we sow help, when we sow whatever it is, when we, everything we're sowing like that. Listen, look for area, places to sow. Don't be like the people, you know, the, the preachers and the people that were too busy on the road to help the Samaritan. You know, the, 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 the man there, you know. I mean, not the Samaritan, but the man and the good Samaritan came along, the Samaritan. Be like that, that you're willing to stop your life to help people. If you're in the grocery store and you got to hurry because you, you got something cooking at the house and you got to hurry and you see someone that is in need, you sense it, you know it, stop and sow into their life. Sometimes just a kind word, just a little, Denise does this all the time. But you know what? And honestly, sometimes, my personality is I'm so goal-driven, goal-oriented that I'm on, a, I'm on a mission everything I do in life. I mean, that, if I get dressed, I'm on a mission. <laughs> you know, it's, and I have to watch out. But like Denise will stop her life at a moment to help, to be kind. And I honor that. I respect it. Sometimes I wish she wouldn't, but I'm glad she does. No, I really am. And she's the person I want to be. She's the person I need to be. Because here's the thing I watch about her life. She does that. She stops to help, you know, anybody and everybody. And what I see is, man, God arrays people to do the same for her. I mean, he gives people marching orders to help her, to bless her, to be kind to her, to do good things. It's because she's always sowing. And learn that in your life. I want this church to sow Jesus. I want us to sow the love of God. I want us to get out in this community and sow kindness and goodness. And I want us to look at ways. And I'm not talking about the church office doing something. I'm talking about the church, the people. Getting out and where we are. You know, you see somebody on the roadside hurting, don't call the office and say, y'all need to send somebody over here. You are the somebody over here. You're there. Help them. 
Listen, and let's do it. I want us to do this. I want Montgomery, I want us to love Montgomery, Alabama and the river region so much with the goodness of God and the things of Jesus and let's quit coming to church like I got to get what I got to get. Let's go to church thinking I wanna, I'm going to get filled up so I can go give out. The church is my filling station. The service is my filling station so I can go out and help a hurting world. Listen to this. The average stalk of corn, which grows, an average stalk of corn can produce, one stalk of corn in a field, on an average will produce anywhere from 800 to 2,400 kernels. There's that range. It can depend on the type of corn. It could depend on the, the soil and different things, the climate, all of that but anywhere from 800 to 24 kernels from one kernel of corn that germinated. So one kernel can produce anywhere from 800 to 2400 seeds on one seed. Let's take an average of 1600 between 18 and I mean between 800 and 2400. So you say the average is 1600 then that one kernel of corn the next year could potentially produce the next season 2 million 560,000 kernels. That's a lot. From one kernel in one year, 2,560,000. But what would happen the next year? If we took that one kernel and gave it two seasons, we took all of its fruit and sowed it, in one year it would produce over 2,500,000. But if we took its offspring the next year, you know what the result would be? Six trillion, five hundred and fifty-three billion, six hundred million from one kernel in two years. But do you agree there's a law of harvest that's pretty powerful? That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Powerful. Now, I understand that that's not the way it works because the corn is, most of it's eaten or a lot of it's eaten and all of that. In different things it's used for harvesting. That's true. And God gives bread, seed for the sower and bread to eat. But this law of harvest is powerful. Now, I'll tell you what I want us to do. There's some more things I want to talk about on this, but the time has ended. So what we'll do is we're going to pick it up in a later service because I'm going to talk to you about what seed do you have? What seed do you have? And how do we locate it? And how do we know what it is? Because your seed is in three arenas that God's given us all seed. Three arenas. And I'll tell you what they are. And I've taught this to myself. My children, my son-in-laws, that's time, energy, and money. That's the areas, arenas we have. And I'm going to help you discover how you have those and what they are and what you can do with them. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.